If you can join me, our scripture reading will be from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. Our teaching today focuses specifically on verse 17a, though we will read the earlier section. In our Pew Bibles, this is on page 979. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle flesh against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Uh, we are here in verse 17, just mainly focusing on helmet of salvation um, this morning. And some of you may wonder, like, how can he do a whole sermon on three words? Well, uh, I've done it on one before, so it's all right. This is three times as long, so it's okay. Uh, but we've left off here, or leaving off here at verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. So we've been looking at spiritual warfare past several weeks, and and what God has been providing to us to, to stand firm against the evil one. And so this morning we'll be looking at this last piece of armor, the, the helmet. Uh, next week we'll look at the sword of the spirit, which is more of an offensive weapon than it is protective armor. But what, what, what we've been looking at so far has been more protective, defensive in nature. And this protective armor is what empowers us to resist the devil, to resist those lies the, the accusations, the intimidations of Satan. And, and the only way that this is possible is to be in Christ, to trust in Christ. Now, Paul's letter to the Ephesians regarding spiritual armor is not an original idea. The Old Testament gives us a picture of God as, as a warrior. And you'll see where Paul gets these New Testament illustrations from. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17 as an example. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And the prophet Isaiah wrote those words 600 years before Paul wrote this letter. And the prophet Isaiah didn't have the benefit of knowing that this helmet of salvation is to be brought to us by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who resisted the works of the devil in the temptations, who has destroyed the works of the devil on the cross and in the resurrection. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it reads, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now even though Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil on the cross, there is still this not yet aspect to this victory. And for the past couple of weeks we've used chess as an illustration that the cross was checkmate within a chess match 
and the victory has already been secured, but there's this moment in between checkmate and the final moment of victory when the, the opponent finally concedes by trying to attempt all these different moves, but we all know that the match is over. But he's still like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And just moving all these different pieces, but it's over. And this moment is actually where we're living in right now. We're living in this between moment of checkmate and that victory on the cross and the return of Christ where it's final. Where the evil one is trying to make all of these different moves, but it's over. We're experiencing this spiritual warfare now and we need to take this helmet of salvation on us to put it on to protect our minds and how we think about things so that we can think about things from a salvific perspective. Taking this helmet of salvation means that we trust in everything Christ has done, that what Jesus Christ accomplished protects our heads, it protects our minds. And there's this very popular term nowadays, especially in schools, mindfulness. I don't know, any of you, you have children, you're hearing this all the time about having your kids be mindful. If only they can practice that at home as well. But very popular, taught in all of our schools so that students are more conscious, that they're more aware of things, that the students are encouraged to, to focus their awareness on the present moment. And they are to do this while they are practicing a calm and collected acknowledgement and acceptance of all that's around them, their, their thoughts, their feelings, even their, their physical sensations. They're to focus on where they're at now. And so it's a, a very common technique for therapy that's being used today. Well, Christians have been practicing this for centuries. Centuries. It, it's practiced in our spiritual disciplines when we're talking about prayer, meditation, solitude, study, and the opposite of mindfulness is mindlessness. And that is definitely not what faith in Christ is. It is a very mindful faith, contrary to what some may believe about Christianity, because there are thoughts that faith in Christ is illogical, it is irrational, and that that thought that people have is actually quite silly to think that Christianity opposes mindfulness. You look at the contributions Christians have made throughout history, whether that's in medicine, education, science, with some of the world's first hospitals, with some of the world's first universities, and to say that Christianity is mindless is a lie. You just look at it historically. And we know who the father of lies is. And so this perpetuates into our present, where people think that, oh, that's just a mindless thing that you guys are doing. So not only is the faith in Christ mindful, it is also meaningful. And the reasons for the hospitals, the reasons for the universities are meaningful ones. Healing, comfort, care, learning, understanding, knowledge. And the opposite of meaningful is meaningless, which Christianity is also definitely not. John chapter 20, starting in verse 30. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's why it's written. The Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That this belief is mindful, that this belief is meaningful. In John chapter 21, verse 25, the gospel writer John wrote, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, where every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Now if it wasn't mindful, there wouldn't be any book, right? What was written about Jesus was mindful. It was meaningful. It changed the world. It continues to change people today. And the very first things the gospel urges to do is use our minds. When Jesus called you, when Jesus is calling you, he's calling us to be mindful. He's calling us to be meaningful. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled. What time? And the kingdom of God is at hand. And so this takes a lot of thinking, does it not? What is he writing about? Repent and believe in the gospel. Just in that verse, there's a lot of mindfulness in that. You have to think a lot about this. And the calling to believe in Christ is a call to think deeply. To think deeply. To think deeply about yourself. Those whom you love. The world. And it's not just philosophical thinking, you'll, you'll notice how incredibly accurate the Bible is historically. Why? Because it's true. It's just recording reality. It's recording truth. And if there is a faith out there that isn't even historically accurate, how can you believe it to be a reliable faith if it can't even report what's happening right in front of them? Now, notice where Paul went on his missionary journeys. When he went to Ephesus, he went to the synagogue to speak to the Jews. He went to the hall of Tyrannus to speak with the Gentiles. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 8. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Now, why did he go to those places? Because that's where people practiced thinking. And he called people to think, to be mindful. And it's the same thing when he went to Thessalonica. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. For someone to assume that Christianity is mindless, irrational, meaningless, is foolishness. It's the lie. The call is to use one's mind and to consider the evidence. To look at the gospel with mindfulness and to apply one's mind into thinking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. To take on the helmet of salvation means we are incapable of accepting pluralism. We are unable 
to affirm relativism. Why is this? Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus makes this exclusive claim that salvation is only through him. Only Jesus, the Son of God, can reconcile us to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Only Jesus makes the atonement of sinners possible. Only Jesus conquered sin and death on the cross and in the grave in his resurrection. And to take on the helmet of salvation is to protect our minds with what is revealed to us in the word of God. We know we will face spiritual attack until the return of Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. To take on the helmet of salvation is to keep that thinking cap on, always. Always thinking, keeping it on, all the time. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to go over several verses that are about our thinking, about our minds. And, and here's the first one. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound Mind, that's a new King James Version. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, last one. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You have to think through about what you know about your salvation. Not just what you feel about your salvation, but what do you know about your salvation and what grounds... What grounds you in your knowledge of your salvation? Isaiah chapter 26, starting verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. When those thoughts that aren't of God invade your mind, and that happens, you are to protect your mind with the helmet of Salvation. You trust in the salvation gifted to you in Christ who saved you, who saves you, and will save you. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved. 
I have had some people question their need for salvation. Like, why? You know, why do I even need to be saved? And for those who question this need, you have to think. You have to think. And I encourage you to read the first three chapters of Romans while you think deeply about what's written in Romans chapters 1 through 3. And I'm going to skip to the end of those three chapters and into Romans 3 and starting in verse 10. It's written this. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is why you need salvation. And the first three chapters of Romans explain this mess that we're in because of sin. And it explains how this mess is cleaned up. And it's summed up in Romans chapter 3 starting in verse 21. And I love these two first words here. But now. Because all everything before that is talking about none is righteous, no not one. And it's establishing this. And then when you get to verse 21, but now. This is why you need salvation. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For all who believe, it's mindful. You're thinking, it's rational. In Jesus Christ, in what he accomplished, not in what we can do ourselves, but what Jesus Christ did. You take your helmet of salvation and you think. You've been justified by grace through faith in Christ because of his love. And you and I didn't do anything to earn that, to deserve that. You can't do anything more to be ready for it. You just believe. Acts chapter 16 verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Now, once you are saved, it doesn't mean that you won't face spiritual attacks. In fact, you will. It is quite the contrary. You will face it. We're told we're going to face stuff in our life, right? John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, which is what we're all in right now. But take heart. I have overcome the world. The only true peace that we will experience comes through Jesus Christ. And we have to think to take on this helmet of salvation. The evil one offers every other substitute God except for the real Savior. Everything else is offered. You have a whole buffet of substitute gods. But he will never offer you Jesus Christ. He'll offer everything else, but he will not offer Christ. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But you and I will face tribulations all the time. We face lies, doubts. Accusations, shame, hate, all of these things, they will be fired upon you. 
all the time. We talked about this. Those flaming darts. They will be fired on you. The thing is, where will your mind be when that happens? Because that's going to be a pretty weak point when that happens. Like every, all that weight is coming on you. And the last thing you're thinking about is what you're attacked with. You're just wanting to stay alive. But do you know the truth? Do you have that helmet on? Do you, do you know where our salvation is? Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 38. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know that? Because we know who saves us and we know Jesus is faithful to the promises that he makes. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. We will face tribulations. Guaranteed. Even though you've been given salvation, you still face them. What are we to do with the tribulation, the challenges, the flaming darts. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This Helmet of salvation that we have. We have to think theologically with it. It's not just about feelings. It's not all sentimental. That you take these biblical promises of salvation and you protect your mind with it. That you take this theological knowledge of hope and you protect your thinking with it. And to know your Bible and when salvation is questioned... You go back to the word of God. You go back to his promises because he is faithful. That you know Romans chapter 5 verses 10 and 11. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Know that. Whenever you have doubt. Know that. And for those of you who don't know Jesus to be your Savior, will you believe in Jesus Christ this morning so that you might be saved? That you can have this assurance, this gift that can't be earned, it's simply received. And this is really tough for some people to do, to just receive something. Because many times we want to exchange something for what we've received. And, and many of us are like this because I, I've experienced this many times. Whether I'm inviting someone over for a meal or someone invites us over for a meal, the first question that is always asked is, what can we bring? Right? It's, it's always. Like, whether it's you invite me, I'm like, what can I bring? It's very hard for me not to offer that. And sometimes I just have to, like, force myself not to. That it's like, thank you for the salad. Thank you. And not... What can I bring? And, and the same thing when we invite someone over. We, we don't have the expectation of bringing a dessert or whatever. It's just, just come over. Just come over. 
God is asking for you to believe. That's it. You don't have to bring your works or get things right or stop doing a certain thing or start doing a certain thing. You just, you just believe. There's nothing for you to bring. You just bring yourself. And for those of you who are distant from Jesus right now, take up the helmet of salvation. Put it on. You've probably not thought about the promises given to you or, or, or thought about what, how much he loves you and the grace that's for you and all these things that are lies or accusations, guilt, shame. And you've probably accepted more of those on and you've started putting on that, that hat on rather than this helmet of salvation. I end with Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this armament and how you've used your servant Paul to write this letter to us. There, there's so much um, that we can glean from these words that are spirit-filled in, in Paul's writing. And we ask, Lord, that we would keep that helmet of salvation on. We know that tribulation comes our way and there are going to be lots of challenges and, and flaming darts heading to us and, and we so need to protect our minds as, as that is what is attacked so often. Lord, Continue to protect your church. I pray for those, Lord, especially that don't know you, that they can take this helmet of salvation, thinking through what you offer them and putting that on. And for those that are distant from you, Lord, I, I ask God that they would hold on to your truths, that they would take this helmet of salvation on. In Jesus' name. If you have your communion elements, uh, let's take those out and partake of this sacrament together. Uh, if you don't have that, just hold your hand up and we can get those to you. Um, let's first take out the wafer on the top. Symbolizing the body of Christ that was bruised, beaten, broken for us. We take this in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for us. The fruit of the vine, representing the blood of Christ spilled for us. He says to take this in remembrance of him as well as take this until his return. Let's take this together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this victory and how you reconciled us to holy God, taking on our sins upon yourself for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.